Hey, this is Jeremy Isaacs, lead pastor of Generations Church, where we want to live like it matters. For more information about our church, you can visit us at g.church. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. Thanks again for listening. Everybody's good? Everybody's good to call an audible? Just change it up a little bit. Uh, Audible makes me think of my football team, who's terrible right now. We're in disarray. We got a new coach. It's like the 11th coach in the last few, uh, it feels like weeks, but um, it's not great. And so uh, just, you know, just pray for us. Just really pray for us if you would. I appreciate it. If you got any college eligibility, you can play football or even know what a football is. We'll take you right now. We got a lot of players transferring out. And uh, so if you can play. That'd be great. I was, uh, I was thinking about the message this week, and uh, I was looking at a bunch of different things, looking for a bunch of different things, and I ran across a couple of different stories that I thought were appropriate for our time together and where we were headed, uh, and, and they really relate to older people and younger people. So maybe you can relate. Maybe you feel like you're in the older people camp. Maybe you feel like you're in the younger people camp, and nobody today is going to tell you you're wrong. So wherever you identify in that, we're just going to let you believe it, all right? So I ran across this story of this older grandfather who was losing his hearing. And, uh, and that hasn't fully happened to me yet. I have what I call selective hearing. And uh, so I listen to the things I want to listen to. But uh, this older grandfather, like he was losing his hearing. He couldn't really hear anything anymore. And so he was practically deaf. And so he'd gone to the doctor and the doctor was able to, to fit him with a hearing aid. And so he put this hearing aid in and man, immediately this man could hear perfectly in that doctor's office. And so he said, hey, go home, try it out for a couple weeks. We'll bring you back in just a few weeks for a checkup. And when we bring you back, we'll make sure everything's good. And then you you should be good to go. So a couple weeks pass by, the old man comes back to the doctor and the doctor says, how's it working? He says, working great. He said, well, what does your family think about you being able to hear now? He was like, well, I haven't told my family yet. He said, I've just been sitting in my living room listening to all the conversations. He said, you know what? I've changed my will three times. Another story that I ran across, it also relates to an older man who's having some health issues. And so he's got to have surgery. And thankfully, his son is a renowned surgeon. And so he's laying on the table, and just before they do the anesthesia, he calls for his son. He says, you know, I've I've wanted my son to do this surgery, but he said, I need to talk to him before this happens. And so he calls for his son. His son comes up to him. He says, Dad, what's wrong? He's like, no, listen, I want you to know that I love you. And he said, I want you to know that I trust you. And he said, if anything bad were to happen, and his son's like, Dad, don't talk like that. He said, no, no, I I need you to know this. I need you to hear me say this. He said, if anything bad were to happen, he said, just know that your mother's going to come live with you and your family. It was the perfect surgery. Like his son did the best job he's ever, ever done. Some of you will get that on the way home. Last story I ran across this week. There was a little girl and she was with her mom and they were at the kitchen sink and the mom was doing some dishes and the daughter was just asking question after question after question and the mom was getting a little frazzled. And so the daughter, as she's looking up at her mom, she notices that on the side of her mother's head, there are a few like white, grayish hairs in the midst of her darker hair. And so she says to her mom, she says, mom, like, why do you have some hair that's white? And the mom, you know, is thinking, well, I'm glad she noticed. That's great. Um, So she says, well, here's the deal. She said, any time that a little girl makes her mother upset... Anytime that she makes her mother cry, anytime she does anything that's just a little bit irritating, she said one of her mother's hairs turns white. And the daughter, she, she thinks about this, this new revelation. She starts to contemplate what it could possibly mean. And she has this aha moment. And she looks at her mom and she says, you must have really aggravated grandma. Again, some of you may not get that until you're on the way home. Today, we're talking about... Uh, generations. 
And we are Generations Church. But today, beyond just Generations Church, we're talking about how God utilizes generations to benefit one another. How God really designed in the story of humanity generations to come one after the other and to really play an important role in each other's lives. Like it's not just that one generation exists and then it's done and it is completely uh, separate and and different from the, the next generation. Every generation builds on one another. And so whether you look at your family story, your family tree, and you can see how all of these generations fit together, play together, or maybe you can't see that and you're not really sure how it all works and you wish there were some generations that had been skipped in your family tree, I believe that God has this unique way that he is telling the story of God and humanity on the earth. And a part of that story is generations. And so as we think about young and old, we think about how God has written the Bible and handed it to us. I think it's important to recognize that there are a lot of different ways that things are given to you and I in the Bible. One of those ways is a commandment, right? We all know the 10 commandments. And so one of those ways in scripture that we are given instruction is we're given a commandment. Thou shalt do this, thou shalt not do this. It's very clear. This is what you should do or this is what you shouldn't do. There are another set of things that are handed to us and they are not commandments, they are instructions, It would be like the difference in saying, you know, you shouldn't speed. That's against the law. There's a certain number that some of us are plus or minus a few, you know, to say this is what you should not exceed. That's a law. And if you get caught breaking that law, there's punishment. That would be the commandments in Scripture. But the instructions in Scripture are a lot more like recipes. If you don't follow the recipe... It doesn't mean that it's bad. It just means that maybe it's not quite as easy. Maybe you have to kind of figure it out a little, little more difficult. The process is a little more difficult for you to figure it out. Now, it may turn out great. You, you figure out that you don't like one pinch of salt. You like two pinches of salt. But you had to go off the recipe. You had to ignore the instructions that had been given to you to figure it out. So you may have eaten it one time and realized, I don't like that. We're going to change it. We're going to add something. We're, we're going to change the flavor. Well, I believe that as we read through God's word... It's not just the commandments that we look to, it's also the instructions. It's not just the law, it's also the recipes. And as we look through all of the various places in Scripture that we find these instructions or these recipes, one of the places in the New Testament that speaks to generations is the book of Titus, Titus chapter 2. If you've got a Bible, I'd love for you to go there. It may take you a second to find it. It's later there in the New Testament. The book of Titus is written by the Apostle Paul. It's a letter to a young man named Titus who is, is referenced really for the first time in the book of Galatians. He's not really mentioned much at all other places. But Titus was a traveling companion of Paul. Later, he's sent to really help to, to, to own for himself and to grow the church in the city of Corinth and, and there again on Crete. And so Paul is giving Titus some instructions about how he should live and how he should conduct himself. And this is what it says in Titus chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. We're going to read eight straight verses here, so buckle up and hang on. You, however, must teach what is appropriate to sound doctrine. Teach the older men to be temperate and worthy of respect, self-controlled and sound in faith, in love and in endurance. Likewise, teach the older women to be reverent in the way they live, not to be slanderers or addicted to much wine, but to teach what is good. Then they can urge the younger women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled and pure, to be busy at home, to be kind and to be subject to their husbands so that no one will malign the word of God. Similarly, encourage the young men to be self-controlled in everything, set them an example by doing what is good. In your teaching, show integrity, seriousness, and soundness of speech that cannot be condemned so that those who oppose you may be ashamed 
because they have nothing bad to say about us. When I read through these, I recognize this is not a commandment, but these are instructions. This is not a law. This is a recipe. If I want my life to be lived in a way that acknowledges God, that is in pursuit of God, then this is a recipe that helps to flavor my life in a way that God intends for it to be lived, that I should live in generational relationships. Now, I recognize that there is a, is a, it's much easier for all of us to kind of live in the bubble of people that are at the st- same stage of life, right? The people that we interact with on a regular basis, if you have kids in your home, are you know, maybe families that live right around you. They're the families that you play sports with or they go to school with your kids or, or whatever. If you're an empty nester, it's maybe easier for you to stay connected to people that you were connected to when you all had kids at home, but maybe you don't anymore or you're in the same life group or you're in the same settings in different times. And so it's easy for us to gravitate towards people that look like us and are at the same stage of life. And there's nothing wrong with that as long as we are also reaching to those who are different than us as it relates to stage of life. They are in a different generation. They are in a different place and stage of life because we benefit one another in a variety of ways when we make sure that we're doing that. Here's what I believe the recipe would say. If I were to sum all of what we just read up, and we're going to go into some more detail, but I believe it looks like this. Your life will be better when it includes people from different generations. The recipe for me, as I read through this, I read through other places in scripture, is that your life will be better when it includes people from different generations. And that's not just my opinion, and it's not just from the Bible. There are countless studies that have shown how generations benefit one another. One of the most famous developmental psychologists is a guy by the name of Eric Erickson, He's a German-American, and uh, some of his studies and other studies would show things like this. That when older people don't have younger people in their life, they are lonelier, they are more easily irritated, they are more fearful, and they lack a sense of fulfillment. Other studies would show, as it relates to younger people, when younger people don't have older people in their life, they are more prone to make decisions that they regret, they live with more self-doubt, they are less patient, and they describe themselves as directionless. We benefit one another even psychologically, even sociologically, as we interact with one another or we don't. As an aside, other studies have shown that grandparents who babysit their grandchildren are healthier and stay younger longer. So if you are a grandparent in the room, the best thing you could do to honor God today is to call your children and say, let us watch the kids. I promise you, they will love you. And if they get mad, they're not really mad. Just, just, just make it happen, okay? And if you say, you know what? I don't have grandchildren. Then there are other families within our church right now. We're gonna ask them to stand in 30 seconds and they would love for you to come and watch their children because here's the deal. It's not selfish. They want you to be healthier. They really want you to live a long and prosperous life. We need each other. We really do. We need one another. Deuteronomy 6, where we draw so much of our name and our story as Generation Church. Deuteronomy 6 says that parents should write the law on their doorposts and they should talk about it with their children as they walk down the road together because children need to be exposed to faith through the generations of faith before them. Jesus said to let the children come unto him when the disciples are trying to keep the church meeting organized and not quite as chaotic. There is a generational aspect to the gospel. And so this is a recipe for success. We need one another. So what does that look like? Let's just unpack what we just read in Titus chapter two for a few minutes together. This is what we see. I believe that there are three specific areas that Titus chapter two addresses that we benefit from one another as we live life together. The first of those is faith. 
Now, these verses are pulled from what we just read, so they're not going to have the specific verses on the screen or anything that you see there, but out of Titus 2, 1 through 8, I've just pulled the words together that reference the things of faith. It says, you, however, must teach what is appropriate to sound doctrine as it relates to reading the word of God and teaching the word of God, the doctrine, the understanding, the beliefs that come from scripture. Teach the older men to be temperate and worthy of respect and self-controlled and sound in faith, in love and endurance. That sounds a lot like the fruit of the spirit. Likewise, teach the older women what is good so that no one will malign the word of God. Similarly, encourage the young men in everything to set them an example by doing what is good. In your teaching, show integrity, seriousness, and soundness of speech. We have a responsibility generationally as it relates to faith. Now, you can live outside of faith and outside of the church and still have relationship with people of other generations, and you should. But as it relates to what God is calling us to do as Christ followers, I believe that we draw faith from one another. Your faith journey is not meant to be lived in isolation. And while we all need our peers, which we talked about, we also need faith fathers and faith mothers and faith sons and faith daughters who do not share blood with us. They are not related to us. They don't exist on the family tree project we did in the fifth grade, but they are connected to us through faith. And we have a responsibility. As an older generation, so if you want to classify yourself, I'm going to say old and young a lot today. You just identify with whichever camp you want to. As an older generation, I believe that you have a recipe. You have instructions. I believe it borders on command that you are to deposit faith in those that are coming after us. To tell the experiences that you have had with God to those who are coming after you to help form and inform their faith. Their faith will be solidified as they have personal interactions with God, but their faith is shaped by hearing your interactions with God. And so they need to hear your stories. I've shared this a number of times. I don't want to be repetitive for those that have been around a long time, but my, my grandmother has passed away on my dad's side. She passed away a couple years ago, about two and a half years ago now, but before she passed away, several years before, in fact, while her memory was still good, she felt like the Lord was laying it upon her heart to capture all the various stories of faith that she could possibly remember, the prayers that she had prayed that God had answered, the things that she had seen, the signs and wonders that she believed she had seen that really demonstrated who God was to her, and she captured them into a Word document, and then she put it into different sections, and she had it bound. I mean, it was cheap. It probably it went down to Kinko's or something, and it was just a couple dollars a piece, and she gave every one of those books to her children and her grandchildren. Well, she's no longer present to tell those stories. I remember sitting around her fireplace listening to her tell those stories, but my children never experienced that. And yet I hold in my possession a book that tells the stories of God to the generations before me so that the generations after me have something tangible to shape their faith. They need to experience the goodness of God for themselves, but they are able to shape their faith by the stories that were passed on from previous generations. And if you're a part of the older generation, we need your stories. We need you to tell us what you know about God. And we need you to help us to understand what you've experienced that will allow us as we walk through moments that require great faith to know that we can trust in God because you've seen him come through for you. And if we haven't seen it yet, we trust you and we know you and we're in relationship with you and we say, God, I don't know how you're going to do it and I haven't yet seen it with my eyes, but I heard the story standing in the lobby at church Sunday and I have just enough faith. I mean, it's like little tiny mustard seed kind of faith because I heard the story. 
And I'm asking you, God, to do in my life what you did in that person's life that went before me, that's gone before me, that's lived a few more days than I have. God, would you help what you've shown to them be shown to me? And the younger generations, you need to share what you're learning, what you're dreaming, what you're studying, what you're asking for God to give you in wisdom and discernment so that it can be shaped and guided by an older generation, but also so that it can grow their faith. So that they can hear the enthusiasm in your voice and the passion that you have as you pursue after God. And perhaps they can go, you know what? Maybe I've lost a sense of that passion. Maybe I'm not trusting God as much as I did when I was younger. And their faith can grow as well. Judges chapter 2 verse 10. I've said it for years, probably since the first time I read it. I remember my dad preaching this when I was a kid. It's probably the saddest verse in all of the Bible. Judges chapter 2 verse 10 says this. All the people of that day died. And the children who came after them did not know the Lord, and they did not know about the things that he had done for Israel. These are the great-grandchildren of Moses. They're the grandchildren of the generation of Joshua. So this is two or three generations removed from the group of people that walked out of slavery, watched the waters roll back, walked across on dry land, were led out into the wilderness, trusted God for provision as they walked out of their tent every single day. They didn't have to do anything to eat except trust that God was providing. They spent time in the wilderness learning how to move from slavery into being soldiers and into trusting God as their provider and not their slave masters. Joshua led them into the promised land. We talked about this last week. They experienced great victory and inherited all the promises that had been given to their forefather, Father Abraham. And a few generations later, there came a group of children who did not know God nor what he had done for them. How does that happen? Because previous generations stopped telling stories. Previous generations stop handing off faith. Now, there is ownership in the existing generation to pursue God and to learn about him and desire more of him. But I unapologetically have always said this before we were Generations Church, before I was a youth pastor, I believe the most important generation is the next generation because we're just one generation away from losing everything that we've invested our lives in. It's our responsibility to hand off to the next generation all that we know God to be. Psalm 145 verse 4 says this, One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. This doesn't just say the older will give it to the younger. It says one generation will commend your works to another generation. The younger generation has stories to tell too, so don't feel like you got to wait around. But you have to be sharing stories with one another. It helps us to grow our faith. The second thing that I see here out of Titus chapter 2 is not just faith, but family. Look at these words from Titus chapter 2, verses 1 through 8. It says, then they can urge the younger women to love their husbands and, to ch- and their children and to be busy at home and to be kind and to be subject to their husbands. And there's the challenge for younger men. And so I see as it relates to family and the home and the way that we establish the home. Some of the older crowd, you don't realize that you're being watched My wife, Corey, shared for a number of years that when she was growing up, there were people in her church that just had no idea that they were the model for her of what a Christian marriage should look like. She was growing up in a home with a a wonderful mother who loved God but was single, and she didn't have an example in her home of what Christian marriage could look like. And so she watched the couples of her church. And maybe even now, all these years later, they don't even know that they were setting the example for her. And so many things that she brought into our marriage were shaped as she watched these older fathers and mothers in the faith in her church love one another and speak to one another and raise their children in the faith and heritage of the gospel. 
you're being watched. They, they want to know how you handle certain situations. They want to know where you put your trust and hope. They want to know how you handle money. They want to know how you make decisions. They probably don't need your parenting advice, but they probably do need you to come over and watch their kids for a few minutes. They probably do need you to help them know how to patch a hole or hang a light. They want to know how to establish a home that's godly in the midst of all the things that are swirling around them. In the older generation, we have a responsibility to anyone that's coming after us to help them as they pursue godliness in their family. They need your recipes. They need you to invest in them relationally. To the younger generation, you don't realize that in your attempt to act like you have it all together, you're missing out on a bunch of folks that just want to help. They just want to be present in your life. They just want to speak into you and encourage you and strengthen you. They want to help you avoid some mistakes that they made. They're not trying to act like you don't know what you're doing. They just want to speak into it so that you can avoid some of the mistakes that they made. And so in our attempt and in our pride, we just, we put up this wall and we put up this, I don't want to hear it. Every person gives me this and every person, no, no, no. Just put down the defenses and just listen, be open, be honest, ask questions, offer to help. Do whatever you can to bridge the divide between generations. So there's faith, there's family. And then third of all, in Titus chapter two, I believe that it speaks to freedom. I talked about this a little bit last week. I don't wanna beat a dead horse here, sound like I'm being repetitive. But right out of this text, it says to be self-controlled, not to be slanderers or addicted to much wine, to be self-controlled and to be pure, to encourage the young men to be self-controlled. There is something about this idea of self-control which is a fruit of the spirit. That generationally, Paul wanted Titus to know that he had a responsibility to help the older and the younger generation to pursue more self-control. The enemy roams about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, and there is no age on that. Old and young, the enemy would love to destroy you. And so some of you who are more seasoned men and women can share your experiences of finding freedom and being self-controlled that will save the younger generation some pain and heartache that you had to endure. Some of the younger generation needs to listen so that those who are telling you that you're headed down a dangerous path and you don't think it's so dangerous, they can help you see why it is dangerous because they experienced it for themselves. But you can also speak into the older generation and help them to see that maybe they've misplaced their hope or misplaced their trust and you can speak together in what it looks like to be self-controlled and to pursue purity and godliness. But here's the great differentiator. This is old to young, young to old. Here's the great differentiator. Are you preaching at them or are you testifying to them? There is a difference. I'm gonna explain it. If you are preaching at someone as it relates to what you've experienced and what they should do, it sometimes can come across as condemnation. It sometimes can come across of causing them to put up their defenses. But if you are testifying to them, you're saying, hey, let me tell you a little bit of what God's done in my life. Let me, let me help you to see that I believe that God is compelling us to pursue self-control. Here's what God is working out in me. Here's what I believe God can work out in you. There is a difference. And so instead of attacking, instead of putting them on the run, you pull them close in love and kindness and grace and speak truth to them because they desire to hear the truth. One of the most famous verses in all of the Old Testament related to what God is going to do in the last days and perhaps we find ourselves in the last days. I've been talking to my kids about it. As it relates to generations, here's what I know. My great-grandfather believed that the Lord would come back while he was still alive. He's no longer living, but then my grandfather has all of his life said that he believes the Lord will come back 
while he is alive. It hasn't happened yet, but I've heard my dad say more and more in recent days that he believes the Lord will come back while he is alive. And when my kids ask me, when do you think Jesus is going to come back? I'm like, listen, I don't know, because when I read the Bible, it says that no man knows the day nor the hour, but I just believe the world's getting worse by the second. And some of the things that were never possible related to the prophetic and related to what God was saying to uh, the world about when he would return, some of those things seem to be right on the forefront. And so who knows? But what I do know is that as God speaks about the last days, he gives instruction. He gives a recipe as it relates to how humanity will interact with one another. This is what it says in Joel chapter 2, verse 28 and 29. And afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all people. And your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. And your young men will see visions. And even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. And your old men will dream dreams. And your young men will see visions. There is a special anointing on sons and daughters that moms and dads need. But there's also a special anointing on moms and dads that sons and daughters need. And grandmas and grandpas and aunts and uncles and fathers and mothers in the faith, that God is pouring out his spirit in the last days upon all flesh. And we need to hear what God is saying to all generations to help us understand more clearly what God is speaking to the earth. But if you listen to the words of Joel chapter two, here's what we don't need to forget. He pours out his spirit in different ways. It is the same God. It is one spirit. And yet he chooses to reveal himself to us in a variety of ways. He said that old men will dream dreams. The older I get, the more dreams I dream. But he said that young men will see visions. Because young men are envisioning things that have yet to come. Old men are dreaming things that some have already happened and some have not. Dreams and visions are different things. Old and young need each other to complete the picture of what God is saying on the earth right now. We don't compete with one another. We literally complete one another. And that's not just a great movie line, right? It's the idea that we truly do help each other to see how God desires to use us. How God desires to be present in each of our lives, in our church, in our community, in our families. And so here's my prayer for you, for an older generation, that you would dream more dreams than you've ever dreamed before. And to a younger generation, that you would see the visions of God in ways that you've never imagined. And that then you would take those dreams and you would take those visions and you would entrust them into the generation that's come before you or those who are coming after you to have a greater understanding of what God may be speaking right now. Perhaps what I understand is incomplete because I don't have what God's speaking to you. It's one spirit. It's the same God. But as he reveals things to me and he's revealing things to you and we make sure that they align with God's word, we take all of those pieces and we say, okay, God, then how are we to live? What are we to do? How are we to serve? How are we to love? How are we to tell the story of what you're doing in the earth. This last week, Tuesday morning, 4.40 a.m., our church received a message through our Facebook page from a young mother. We'll call her Christine. And she said, I've got three daughters and there's something about where I'm at right now in life that compels me.
two things in a nearby organization that we could just try to learn from our house. Not just because of COVID, but because of another circumstance that she mentioned here. There's some fear in their lives right now. She said, it's a long shot, but I thought I would reach out. We currently don't go to church, but I was raised Christian. And I'm just now realizing that I barely know anything about it. I lean on God for support and I pray often, but I don't know anything beyond my spiritual bond with him. If you can't help, that's okay too. I just thought I would see what we could do from home. Much love to you all. I don't know what was happening at 440 in the morning, but I'm so thankful that when Christine came searching, she found Generations Church. So that as she pursued more of God herself, and she had a desire to help her daughters find faith and understand who God is, that she was looking for something and found us. And here's what I believe. There are Christines all around you. There are Christines all around me, and they're searching. They may know, we live in the buckle of the Bible belt, like the middle buckle, right on that, like right in the middle of the Bible belt. There are very few people in our community who have never heard of God or heard of Christianity in some way, but there are probably a few. But even beyond that group of people, which we have a heart for, for sure, you know who my heart is drawn to? People that know just enough about God to know that they're not close to him. They were raised in and around the church, perhaps. They were around cultural Christianity as a child or a teenager or as an adult. They hear the songs we sing at Christmas. They know that a bunch of group of people get together on Sundays because they drive by it from time to time at different churches in the community. But at 4.40 in the morning when they wake up, they know, I, I don't even know where to go. I don't know what to do. I don't know who to turn to. I pray, but I'm not sure if he's listening. And I've got these three daughters that are looking at me and I don't know what to tell them. If Generations Church only exists for what happens in the midst of these walls on this floor and the one above us, we fall short of what I believe God is calling us to. We exist for what happens in the room and we exist for what happens in Christine's home and around the dinner table at her house as she's trying to the very best of her ability to use the resources that we tried to provide to her to help her daughters to find faith for themselves. You know some Christines. You know some Christines who have young children, but I believe you know some Christines who have lived their whole life apart from a relationship with God with just enough knowledge to know what to say and when to say it. But when they wake up at 440, they don't know where to turn. And what if God could use you to invest in an older person or a younger person that's searching at some 440 in the morning moments because you have a story of faith and you have a story of family and you have a story of freedom and the gospel is generational. He desires to use you to pass on the truth that you've experienced so that even if she stands to pray or he stands to pray, or they kneel to pray, or they cry out in prayer, and they don't know what to pray, and they know they haven't experienced it for themselves, they can call on the faith that you've shared with them and believe and hope to the very best of their ability that the God that you've experienced is the same God they're praying to. And just hope and pray and believe that in that moment that that God hears them because you said that God heard you. And that God knows you. And that you believe and you told them that that God wants to know them too. There is a generational aspect to the gospels. 
to this timeless truth of God's word. And if you hold it for yourself, it's incomplete. But if you open your eyes to look to those who are coming after you and to look to those who have come before you, you say, what can I learn from you? How can I help you? What is God saying to you that he hasn't yet said to me? Here's what God's saying to me that may help what God is speaking to you. Let's pursue him together. That is Generations Church. I believe that's what God is calling us to in this season, in this day, in this hour. As he pours out his spirit on all flesh and people are dreaming dreams and seeing visions and trying to figure out how it all makes sense. I'm gonna ask you to bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment as we conclude our time together. All the things that have taken place, all the various aspects of this experience from beginning to end, the things we've been fighting to get to this moment, all that matters right now is you and the Lord. And if you would say to me today in this room or watching online, I know that I need to enter into relationship with Jesus Christ. I've heard the stories. I know some people who know him, but I don't know him. And I need to be forgiven of my sins today. And I need him to be the Lord of my life. If that's you, would you just lift your hand right where you're at? Thank you so much. You can put it right back down. If you're watching online, please respond. Let us know how you're responding today to what God's doing in your heart. And if you would say to me today, Jeremy, I want to be open to other generations. I want to look to those coming, before, coming after me. I want to look to those who have come before me. And I want to be open to how God might use me to reach across generational lines for the sake of the gospel. If that's you, would you just lift your hand? Thank you so much. So many hands. Respond online. Let us know your commitment today. God, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for what you're doing today, God. And I ask you now in this moment to be glorified in this gathering. We lay aside all of the other elements and all of the other pieces and we just pursue your presence for a few more moments in this place. God, I pray now for those who responded today to seek salvation. It's a free gift that comes from you. The only thing they do to earn it is to acknowledge their need for it. And so God, I pray that they would stop the striving and they would rest in who you are. And that God, as they acknowledge it, you would forgive their sins and lead their lives. And so God, we thank you for transforming them in this moment. God, I pray now for every hand, tons of hands in the room. I'm assuming the same kind of response online of people that just want to be used across generational lines. They want to find some fathers and mothers of the faith. They want to find some sons and daughters of the faith. They want to tell some stories. So it can't be said of them that there came a generation after them who knew not the Lord nor the things that he had done for them. But they also want to take the visions that you're implanting into these young men and these young women and they want to pass them on to those who have come before to see how it complements the dreams that you're giving to an older generation. So God, pour out your spirit upon us. Let us pursue you with all of our hearts. And God, let Generations Church reach out to the people like Christine. Open our eyes, break our hearts. Let us not be consumed with only the things in this building. Let us not be consumed with only the things we see with our eyes online or on the news. God, let us focus on the mission of the kingdom and to seek those who are lost, to point them to a God who saves. God, we thank you for what you're doing. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
Thanks again for listening. If today's message was an encouragement to you, we invite you to share it with your friends and family. Maybe subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. It just helps us spread the word about what God's doing here at Generations Church. For more information about the church, visit us at g.church. Have a great day, and God bless.